have a very real doctor on the show. A real doctor. Yes, I'm real. This is wild. <laughs> this is crazy. I feel like we have, like, I'm with Google. This is like Google in person, except the truth. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond, but thank you for that introduction. I am such a, this is actually, I never get starstruck, but um, because I've read your books, like I'm kind of geeking out and I'm really worried that you're like looking at me and seeing all the advice of yours that I haven't taken just by looking at me. <laughs> so there's some fear in me at the moment, definitely. There's no question about it. <laughs> so um, can you please explain exactly what you do? Because I am so afraid I'm going to mispronounce it and embarrass myself. Okay. So I am at heart a cancer doctor. Yeah. I see patients with cancer. I have a research lab. I developed one of the new treatments of breast cancer we developed. Mm-hmm. And we developed technology for disease. I also see patients for wellness and developed a clinic on that. And then I write books. It's obviously limited in the number of patients I could see. So I started to write books to yeah. put ideas on paper. And then to educate, I do the CBS Morning Show. I talk to people about mm-hmm. science and medicine several days a week. And then I lead health on a global basis mm-hmm. through the World Economic Forum in Davos. We do a lot there to try to, again, push the agenda on health. I mean, my job is to change things. And I love A Short Guide to a Long Life, that book, because I didn't get more confused while I was reading it. Like you put things in terms that a dumb person like me can understand and can actually execute. Because I mean, especially with what's going on with COVID, which we'll get into in a second, is that I feel like the more I read about it, the less I know about it. You know, that book came about, I I wrote my first book. It was called The End of Illness. Mm -hmm. It was about modeling health in the body as a complex system. It did very well globally. Mm -hmm. And then it was Steve Jobs who had read it, who goes, Agus, he goes, you can't do this to people. I go, what do you mean? He goes, it takes them 20 pages to get to something. You have to just <laughs> distill it down because it matters. Like, I, I don't want to have to get a medical degree to understand medical advice. <laughs> like, I just, you put it in terms that I can really understand that's really digestible. And we'll get into this more. But um, you can text Dr. Agus at 310-299-9322. When the pandemic first started, I felt like I was... I mean, I had migraines. I was exhausted. I was sick. My eyelids started twitching from just the amount of scrolling I was doing, the amount of stuff that I was reading and completely, you know, I'm not a scientist. I'm not able to delineate what's misleading and what's not. And I remember reading this statistic that was like, COVID has gone up 50% wherever it was. And then I read it and it was like, well, that could have gone from 10 to 15 cases, but 50% sounds so big. And then I, you know, I'm like, I just feel like so many of these headlines are about outraging us and about misleading us and just about getting us to click. And they're so sensational that the only news I really trust are your text messages and your updates at this point. Well, thank you. I mean, it really is crazy. And part of it is the media don't understand. Yesterday, I mean, just yesterday, there's a headline that immunity only lasts two to three months because the studies show that antibodies go down after two to three months. What they didn't tell you is that immunities are from T-cell, not antibodies. So while antibodies did go down, it was irrelevant to immunity, and they all missed that. Every headline missed it. Either they didn't understand it or just Mm -hmm. didn't think about it long enough. Right. And so what would you say are the most frustrating myths that you have seen as a medical doctor uh, so far in the news or currently? Well, I I think we see a lot now that the virus is changing. It's getting weaker. It's getting stronger. It's mutating. We have different strains in California and New York. It wasn't New York's fault because they have a bad strain. We had a good strain here in California. I did hear that. All of these things just aren't real. You know, uh, You know, we're not going to catch it predominantly from surfaces. We're going to catch it from uh, droplets, right? It takes about a thousand droplets for me to spread it to you. 
And every time I breathe, I breathe out about 40 droplets. Most of them hit the ground from gravity. I have a really big mouth. I feel like I breathe out way more droplets. You were probably in the 60 or 70, (laughs) but that's a different issue. But so at a dinner party with 10 people, one person has it. They're sitting at a table for 90 minutes. Only the person or two on either side will get it. The others won't. Because social distancing works. Right. Wearing a mask works. And by the way, everybody in the room here is wearing a mask. That's right. We're just social distance. That's right. But that works. Right. Those simple things, but we can't normalize that behavior. We're the only country in the world that I know of with a Bill of Rights. We all have our individual rights. Right. So therefore, I don't have to wear a mask. Right. That's the It's become so politicized. Is it frustrating to see how this has become a political issue and about... And it's sad. I mean, so many things got politicized. Mm -hmm. I mean, over and over again, many scientists who should be standing up and helping aren't Mm. because they don't like the current administration. And they forget that our role is to help people. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who the administration is. You know, I worked on Biden and his cancer initiative. I worked with Obama and a number of... It doesn't matter who the president is. We have to work with all of them. And so can I ask you a couple things? Because I feel like I've, I've read some new information. I tried to like study up and seem very smart for you. Uh, I feel like I'm going to fail miserably. But uh, is it now true that it is killed by sunlight? So UV radiation, mm-hmm. which is what sunlight, can definitely degrade the virus. It takes some time, but it will definitely degrade the virus. Mm-hmm. Literally, there's a handful of cases that have been spread out of doors in the United States. Right. Almost all of them are spread indoors mm-hmm. where there's little ventilation and where you have close contact with someone over a prolonged period of time. Mm. And so do you feel like um, uh, at all and that the negative physical effects of being super worried about this virus and panicked and having false information is also bad for our health. Oh, many things about this. Yeah, no question. The stress involved is bad for our health. The country we know is not sleeping well. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's collective data from the Fitbits and the Apple Watches of the world that we as a country are not sleeping well. We're drinking more alcohol. Mm. We're doing less exercise. We're interacting through Zoom. Zoom is two-dimensional. You know, our bodies were made so we see each other in three dimensions. We get these cues, and that's how our brain works. It keeps searching for them on Zoom, and it doesn't see them, and it really hurts our brain. So this generation of kids, you know, we're changing their brain over these months, and so we have to be really concerned about that. There's no question mental health we're not paying attention to right now. Because that really scares me because I do – I feel like – Um, so much of moving forward with this wake-up call about pandemics and and possibly the future ones that are coming down the line is our immune system health and the panicking and the fear and the not socializing, which we know is not good for your immune system, and also just the general fear of other people. Like, I go down the street and, you know, you have your mask right here and someone's like, put on your mask. I mean, people just, like, are yelling at each other. They're attacking each other. There's just, like, human beings are the things that we're supposed to take comfort in and sort of get that, you know... um, uh, uh, social uh, comfort from, and now everyone that is a stranger is your enemy. You know, the, the first inning of this fight against the, the virus, we all got, right? Stay at home, just be confined. We understood that. Mm-hmm. But the second inning, we don't understand, right? We don't really know how we're supposed to behave. We don't know what are the right and the wrong, how close, how this. Mm-hmm. And so when you don't understand something, stress goes up. Right. When you don't know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. stress goes up. And we have all of them now. Like, I'd rather have bad news than be uncertain about possible bad news. Like, I can cope with bad news because then I can start to adapt and adjust. <laughs> but when it's like, it could be this or this, that's when I'm just like perseverating and so um, panicked. It's like... And when we have leadership, you know, we just don't have 
habit, to get normative behavior change, you need leadership. And in our country now, it's sorely lacking at all levels. At the mayor level, the governor level, the president level, they're all saying different things. None of them really know what to do. And yes, it causes stress. Where do you get your news? You know, I'm lucky in that, you know, I get to talk to, you know, literally these calls all day with mm-hmm. health leaders from around the globe. And so we know what's happening. Mm-hmm. So all morning I was speaking with a group at Oxford about the vaccine. Right. Looking good, by the way. I also read somewhere, tell me if this is not true or fake news, that the only problem would be that we might run out of glass for the vials, which I've talked about on this podcast before that we're running out of sand. I've talked about this and no one listened. The FDA had a regulation that vaccines have to be in certain vials. Uh And yes, there could be a shortage of vials when you have to make three billion. Yeah. All we need to do, though, is make a multi-dose vial. So if you put 20 doses in a vial, make a larger vial, Mm -hmm. we're going to use them all at once, obviously. That got over that problem. So that was a hypothetical issue that that whistleblower break came up with in January, but there was a very easy fix to that one. Okay, That one we got. (laughs) But it's amazing to me. It's so cool that you have the greatest institutions in the world in the United States, these great colleges that are changing everything, tech, Silicon Valley, and an institution that survived the plague from 1046 Oxford University has the best uh, vaccine. So it's like the biggest FU to the whole technology world. The oldest, you know, most <laughs> that an old stone place. building, cobblestone they street. Did it. Did I it? love that. So how is it going? Because I think, you know, I chose a business, my friend Taylor Sears too, who's a comedian, you know, uh, we chose a business where uh, we get a bunch of people into a building, make them sh- sit shoulder to shoulder and force them to exhale on each other for two hours. That's... <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird uh, call. And in our business, in entertainment, um, the big conversation is as soon as there's a vaccine, we're back. Is it that simple? Well, we have to have a vaccine and we have to be able to give it to everybody. The big question is how long will the vaccine last? And that we don't know yet. Wow. You may need to get it every three months, every six months or once a year. We just don't know that yet. And we'll take a little while to do that. But we're going to get better testing in the country. Mm-hmm. We're going to get quicker testing in the country. So a lot will change over the next six months. But I really think that there is light at the end of the tunnel. The other side of it, though, is that as soon as we have a drug that we know works, mm. our shoulders come down. Right, right. right? Then it's like the flu. You get sick, we give you Tamiflu. right is we have that drug. And there's some drugs that look really, really encouraging we're going to see about very soon. And so I'm going to, look, I'm not a doctor. I get to say things like this. Like, am I crazy that I'm a little trepidatious about putting this thing in my body? Like, I mean, this the vaccine's vaccine. available. I'm like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe go next week. I'm going to let you guys <laughs> So the lead first. candidate from Oxford yeah. is a vaccine that has been around for 15 years. And all we did was took the little tip, which was the spike protein of SARS virus, and put on the spike protein of COVID-19. So the vaccine is safe. It's been tried in thousands of people, Mm -hmm. and it was very good. And so the good is this is just a small advance on previous science. So remember, all a vaccine is, it tricks you, the immune response, say, hey, that's foreign. Let me make an immune response. And when the virus comes, that spike can't get onto your receptor and your cells and can't get inside. So the science is beautiful. It will be safe. Uh-huh. It's already been in 7,000 people. It's going to be in a lot more before it goes to you because everybody knows about you. <laughs> and um, yeah. we will be safe. I'm confident of that. And then is there still um, sort of this conversation about different blood types reacting differently? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> I I heard that from Alex Jones, and it is true. So it is true, (laughs) but it's 
a tiny bit different. Okay. So if you have a blood type, you have a slightly, slightly high likelihood, higher likelihood of getting the virus mm-hmm. and of getting sick from the virus. If you have O blood type, you have a slightly less. It's such a small difference that it really doesn't make a big difference in the scheme of things. Mm. But yes, it does provide for good cocktail party conversation. <laughs> Just bragging about your yeah. blood type. I'm A plus, whatever. No big well, deal. That's the bad one. So <laughs> you're, you're going down. <laughs> I don't even know my blood type. How sad is that? Seriously? Yeah, I don't think I do. No. Is that? <laughs> well, just the answer. I don't think I do. It's not. I'm I a do Virgo. Does that help? <laughs> oh, that's, that is my yes. I've told you everything you need to know. Yes. No, I mean, it's this is really making me realize that, you know, I need, you know, we all need to take responsibility for our health, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I think that I definitely have like, the fact that I don't know that, is that dark and sad? No, uh, it's very common. Okay. And again, I'd much rather you know other things about your health and your blood type. Right. Because no matter what they're going to test in, it's very easy to do. But you're right. I mean, we all have to know ourselves. Yeah. And that's what's critical. Look, do we have risk factors? You know, you don't have blood pressure issues that I know of. Right. You don't have diabetes. You're not obese. And you're not over 65. So you're very low risk. Right. So how do we tell a generation like yours, change all your behavior? Yeah. It's not going to affect you. But to help somebody else, mm-hmm. that's new to our country. That's new to us. Yeah, I'm being told you're 37. You're not allowed to go out and meet anyone. Your eggs are rapidly rotting, but you're not allowed to go out and date right now. <laughs> it's like, um, can I ask you about the vitamin D conversation? Yes. Because it's if you have uh, vitamin D um, helps, but also doesn't anyone who's already sick with it already have a vitamin D deficiency? So that's the other way around is that... What happens with your body is that when you get inflammation in your body, vitamin D falls. It right. goes from inside the blood vessel to the tissue. So there's a paper saying that, well, people with COVID-19 have lower vitamin D, and they do. It was an association. It wasn't causal. So it wasn't because I didn't have enough vitamin D that Not I got all. it. It's I got it, therefore I... Right. And so, therefore, that lowered the vitamin D. And so taking vitamin D doesn't help. It actually de- de- you know, decreases the sensors, the receptor for it. So taking supplemental vitamin D doesn't help. And there's a clear you know, thing in nature. You know, The reason we tan is to block vitamin D. Right. So it told us too much vitamin D was isn't good for us, yet we go and we take these pills. If you take an elderly woman and give her vitamin D, you increase her rate of bone fracture. Don't decrease it. You increase it. There's never been a positive study ever with supplemental vitamin D. And when I say that, people get all upset because I've just, you know, insulted their religion. Mm-hmm. I've insulted something they've done for a decade. And they get very aggressive. Right. But you have to go with the data. But no, the vitamin D thing was taken out of context. Mm-hmm. It's like if I walk through the streets of New York City and I said, oh, my gosh, everybody with an extra large shirt is obese. Therefore, extra large shirts must be causing obesity. Right. But going out in the sun which gives you vitamin D could maybe kill the virus. So if you're going on the sun for your yeah, vitamin D, we'll you might outside. be two Good birds one. outside, it works. Right. It makes an enormous impact. If you want to meet with a friend, go in your backyard and have dinner with them and then it's fine. Do you foresee there being some kind of tracking situation for either antibodies for having been tested or taking the vaccine? Because I look at <laughs> Anybody listening? Um, I just mean like I, yeah, the Alexa's recording everything. But I, I, I look forward to touring again. We'll talk about what it looks like to go back into the world and movie theaters and public and stuff. But this is the first time in my life that I'm like, I kind of want to know yeah. <laughs> uh, your private data. And you should. I mean, and there will be, and there has mm. to be. 
mm-hmm. right? You have a right to say, I don't want people who are not vaccinated to come into my club because mm-hmm. they could spread it to others. You know, there's a portion of our population, babies, people who are getting cancer therapy, people elderly who are not going to respond to a vaccine. Mm. So if you get sick and you hug grandma, you could kill grandma, even if grandma had a vaccine because it's not going to work in certain people. So this thing called herd immunity, which means enough people are vaccinated, is critical. And so we have to know who's vaccinated or not. And you're going to see clubs where you give them your license. It'll be tied to your license. Say, oh, you have a vaccine. Come on in and watch Whitney. And say, "Uh, why don't you just watch her on HBO? I think it's better. Or Netflix or whatever channel you're on. (laughs) Whatever channel, whoever you are. (laughs) So... Is it still uh, uh, you can be 24 days spreading it in asymptomatic? It was 16. Now it's 24. Not really. I mean, so what happens is if, if you, does this if, horrify you that like I'm up to date on stuff and this is how wrong I, mean, I am. This, I mean, most scientists don't know this. Most doctors don't know this. And this data is all new. You yeah. got to realize this virus is new to all of us. You know, I came about this right. Uh, there's a thing called the World Economic Forum in Davos. Mm-hmm. And I went there, and I'm representing health, and we're talking about issues in health. And as soon as I got there, some Chinese person who I had met before ran up to me with an iPhone. And he shows me a FaceTime video of a guy. And this was a doctor in China, an ophthalmologist, who was saying, oh, my gosh, it's chaos here. Look at all the people in the hallways. And I go, what are you talking about? Because I knew nothing about this virus. And he started showing me. So we pulled together health leaders. And literally every day, he was showing us and telling us, this turned out to be the whistleblower. A week later, he died of the virus himself. And so this was our exposure to it. This was all new. This virus, we never heard about. Mm. You know, one of the greatest scientists of all time, Josh Lederberg, he won the Nobel Prize, an amazing guy, said in the mid-90s, the only threat to man's and women's dominance on this earth is the virus. It is our wits, our brains versus their genome. And it was an amazing prescient statement if you think about it. Over a million years, our genome, humans, evolved 1%. This virus can change 1% in a day. So it's a crazy enemy that we're all learning about. This is all new. And then we in our country said, hey, listen, all these universities with all these great scientists and doctors, you guys go home. Let's close all your labs. So instead of using our science, which is our secret sauce, we sent them home. And how are we going to fight this? Well, we had no scientists for the last couple of months in this country. It's wild. That's wild. And so... what do you make of this like second wave first? Because and I, I'm sure you you surround yourself with really smart people. I don't, so I get my news from comedians who are like, "Yo, the second wave is coming." It's uh, like <laughs> so the things that people have uh, decided are true. I'm do you just, have a second wave joke you I want do. to tell her? A- <laughs> no, there's nothing funny about any of this, unfortunately. But no, I mean, because I think that, he, and tell me if I'm wrong, human beings need some false sense of control, some modicum, something to look forward to, something to like relieve stress, something to just a lie to tell ourselves just to get through the day. And we're like, the second wave is coming here. Like, we just need some. So in 1918, which was the Spanish flu, which, by the way, started in Kansas and not Spain. That's right. It was World War One, and nobody could talk about a weakness yeah. in their country. Spain yeah. wasn't in, so yeah. that's where it came from. But, you know, it went around the globe three times. Because back then, nobody flew place to place, and it was slowly passes around the globe. You know, now, people get in planes and go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so we haven't gotten rid of the first wave, right? A thousand people a day are still dying in the United States. Still in the first wave. And so we're still in the first wave. So the argument is, if we all wore masks, mm-hmm. we would literally stop this overnight. And so three, four weeks later, our cases in the United States would go down to near zero. Hopefully that will happen and that will become normalized over the next several months. And then at some point it probably will come back. 
But now, even now, we're less stressed about it. Mm-hmm. The medical system knows how to deal with it. We have protocols that that we can make most people do okay with it. Not all, but most. We know about social distancing. We know about masks. We know about behavior. So we know a lot more than we did then. Mm. And we have some drugs that are now showing to start benefit or that are out there. Um, but there will be more of this. This is not going away till we have a vaccine and most of the world is vaccinated. And what is that going to look like? Once there's a vaccine, is it, I mean, just our healthcare system and the way that it works, which is, you know, constantly confounds me, like, are, you know, is it going to be something you pay for? Is it going to be something insurance obviously covers? Is it going to be something you're, you know, it's like, it's going to be like the flu shot where it's yeah. like optional? It'll be, it'll, it'll be a flu shot. It will have to be optional. Because by the way, I don't, I got the flu shot like once. I don't even really get it. Is that crazy? <laughs> I know. I saw in your book, you said get a flu shot. <laughs> Well, it's not my book and me saying that. It's the data saying that. I know. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> he looks so horrified. I'm I know, glad that I'm I, giving you a fodder for this. Uh, I'm just saying like, you know, I think this is really making me learn like as human beings, like, you know, all of our, it used to be like, if you have money, you're going to be in better health. Now everyone's health depends on everyone's health. Like we really are all in this together. It's so interesting, right? The way we got our country to stop smoking, the mm. biggest impact on smoking with the secondhand smoke argument. Right? Yeah. All of yes, a sudden, yes. you do whatever you want, but if yes. you smoke in a restaurant, you're going to harm everybody else. We eliminated smoking by over 60, 70%, literally overnight with that argument. It was a powerful argument. I'm so codependent. I and we responded. I would never get a flu shot for myself, but if I knew that I could spread yeah. this to someone else, I would get the vaccine for COVID. I'm more worried about other people. Yeah, and that's the point, is that you got to protect others. And so this is us working together as a community. The reason we do measles, mumps, or all those childhood vaccines are because there are some kids who don't respond to vaccines. So mm. enough kids have to be vaccinated or we're going to be in trouble. Mm. We're seeing outbreaks already now, predominantly in California, because we have this groups of individuals who don't believe in vaccines. And it can really harm people. Mm. And so, yeah, we all have to step up for each other. And so, unfortunately, the military is going to get involved in administering them. Um that they're already training now. It will be kind of mass immunization, just like they did for polio and others. Um, And we'll do this. You know, the first vaccine, it's an amazing story, right? This guy, Edward Jenner, noticed that women who milk cows, uh, milkmaids, will get pox on their arms. And they could take care of people with smallpox, which was killing a good portion of the world at the time, and they would never get sick. So he, like any good scientist, he goes, listen, I went to the King of England. I want to put a needle in and take pus from their arms and inject other people with that pus. The King said, you are freaking crazy. <laughs> Sent him home. The next day, the King called him up and goes, you know, you have one child who's five years old. I know it was really hard to have this child and you can't have any more. You're older. Um, if you inject your child, I know you believe. And he did inject the child. Five days later, number two through 11 who got that vaccine were the royal family. So because the royal family did it, the king was the second person to get the vaccine. Everybody in the country wanted it. And literally, we were able to start to stave off smallpox with the first vaccine. And it was an amazing demonstration of leadership, standing up for what you believe in and standing up for your country and taking the risk for others. Hmm. The interesting thing about vaccine is, you know, to do a real vaccine trial takes time. Yeah. And you got to hope that a lot of people get the virus or you're not going to know the vaccine works. Right. But we can do what's called a challenge trial. So what if we took 100 people and we said, here's a vaccine, 100 people, uh, and then we said uh, 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 three weeks later, we gave them the virus. If they didn't get sick, the vaccine worked, and we would know it right away. Versus serendipitously waiting three, four months. And during that time, we're losing 1,000 people a day in this country, tens of thousands around the world. Mm. Should we be doing a challenge trial? I volunteer as tribute. 
I did. There was a point where I was like, I just want to get this thing. I just want to yeah. get it and get it over with, you know? And then is it still true that if you, maybe it never was, if you get antibodies, you can give them to other people? You can't give antibodies to other people. You, oh, you can through the convalescent plasma. Yeah. The I just want Tom Hanks' blood in my body. But the r- large problem that didn't work. Because the problem is not all antibodies are good antibodies. And so we don't yet have a test to know which are the good and the bad yet. So this mass giving was great that people gave back, but the clinical trial didn't show that it really worked that well is the problem. And so we don't know how long immunity lasts. So if you got it, you may be susceptible again three, four months. Right? The common cold, which is coronavirus, lasts about three, four months immunity, and then you can get a cold again. And I was listening to you um, commend the Sacramento governor, I believe it was, about the eating outside and stuff yeah. like that. How do you feel about the way other states have opened? Because it seems like a lot of spiking, but I'm looking at it's a lot of bars and closed spaces and, you know, places that are really claustrophobic. You know, we don't mandate wearing a mask. Um, L.A., the mayor said, you have to wear a mask. But if you don't, I won't do anything. So nobody wear a mask. <laughs> um, I look at restaurants. You know, I just drove by uh, Dantana's. And yeah. they put all their tables in the parking lot. So it's a great old-time L.A. Yeah, restaurant. Yeah. And literally all the – and I love that, yeah. right? They say, listen, we want our waiters and our chefs and people there to be able to have a living and to have a job. Yeah. Let's figure out a way to do it. Do it may not be as comfortable. You may yeah. be a little bit cold. have to wear a sweater when yeah. you go. But it's clever. You're going to be fine eating outside, and it's right. safe, and that's great. Right. So I love when people do get things creative. based on data and do it right. Yeah. And look, I'm. I think I'm in the minority when I say, you know, that Las Vegas governor. This is my opinion, not. Um, David's, but I, I commended where she was like, we have to open up just so that entrepreneurs can start to think of solutions for this. Like they're creative. We have to start, you know, thinking of solutions to the problem. What's the iteration that does work? We can't go back to the way it was. That doesn't work. Like how are we going to evolve and change? Our kids have to go to school. That's right. They're going crazy. And I was, you know, talking to, you know, Taylor about this and going back to do stand up in movie theaters and stuff. Like there could be an iteration where we're doing this outside and, you know, we have partitions in between, you know, are we doing every five seats or something? like that like we have to figure out what version of this actually does work you go with your family because you're already sequestered together yes and you put one seat in between and you wear a mask you're going to be fine benton quick question now we probably have to get into some actual logistic and hard science and facts here would you buy a t-shirt for 50 dollars if you only knew it cost seven dollars to make no you wouldn't i'll let you answer (laughs) Uh, i wouldn't no you never have to overpay for quality clothes with everlane did you know that? What yeah, kind of essentials make, do they make? They make premium essentials. They use the finest materials. And there's no traditional markup. That's right. I'm not paying for the billboards. I'm not paying for the freaking stores and the chairs. and the, You know when you go to a store, you see all those fancy chairs and the fitting rooms? We're not paying for that at Everlane. Okay? No. At Everlane, you're paying real costs with radically transparent prices and processes. And also, by the way, I'm going to go off book here. It's just cute. Like, I, always, my favorite style is, like, Annie Hall, Catherine Hepburn. Like, like, is she a boy or is she a girl from far away? We can't tell. Like, that's my style. And I love the blazers are cute. Remember when I wore the blazer and that blue, like, Oxford shirt on Dr. Oz's show? Yes. Remember? Everything there is cute. And it's all basics. And it's like, who wants logos on everything? Not me. Not me. Not me. I don't work for anybody. I don't work for the, I don't work for those companies. I'm not going to um, advertise your brand on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> essentials. Let's talk about the essentials. What, if you were to think of some adjectives to describe these, these essentials, what would they be besides 
beautifully body hugging? Um, stylish, um, effortless. Ooh, chic. Um, uh, timeless. Uh huh. Classic. 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 Um, yeah. All right, but I, I am starting to post stuff in my Instagram stories of me wearing Everlane so you can see that I'm not a big faker unless it comes to orgasms. Right now, you can check out our personalized collection at everlane.com slash Whitney. Plus, you'll get free shipping on your first order. That is a steal. That's everlane.com slash Whitney. By the way, I go to their Instagram. I follow them on Instagram, and I, there's a pair of pink jeans that I really want. That I think. Ooh, I just got a pair of pink tennis shoes from them. Oh, so I want a pair of pink uh, jeans from Everlane because I think it would make me seem like I have a better personality. So get on that, Benton. Everlane.com slash Whitney. Be cute, timeless, and classic. Manscaped. I'm not even looking at the, um, the Manscaped. ad. Manscaped. Manscaped. Okay. Manscaped. Here's what I'll say. No matter how how smooth you think you are, how much you're shaving your balls, you're putting your leg up on the tub and stretching it out like an elephant ear and trying to shave it with that, you know, nasty razor that you like took from a hotel or how much you think shaving your chest. Dude, you always have hair in your nose. All of you guys have hair in your nose and it's disgusting and there's nothing we can say about it and it makes me gag and not in the good way. So... (laughs) Manscaped, I don't even know if this is what the ad is about, but they sent this little nose trimmer and I used it on him and I even use it on myself and it just cuts off your little nose hairs. If you guys are just listening and not watching this on YouTube, that's your loss because I'm currently trimming my nose hairs. Oh, did you hear those little crackles? The crackles means it got a hair. You hear that? Yeah, it got a hair. hair trimmer. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, I actually did it a little bit. Oh, I just went, I just put snot on my face because I tried to, I can, you can also sort of trim your eyebrows with it. I kind of did that a little bit. But yeah, I have made my lover fully bald. He feels like a marble floor and it is an absolute delight. I, I get on him and slip right off, uh, which is, <laughs> which is really my dream in um, the bedroom. Um, Manscaped. There is no excuse to smell like chowder and be swampy and wharfy in your scrotum. These days are over. If you are a girl listening, you don't have to put up with this scallop scent anymore from your man. It is time to purchase Manscaped products for yourself or for the men in your life dedicated to helping you level up on your full body grooming game. Okay, the Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0. You got to do this cuz here's what you guys want to understand. When you shave your balls and your whatever the what's the what's that air sternum or I don't yeah, know. Whitney, tell us what we don't understand about shaving our balls. Let us know. I'm saying you get razor burn and it leaves little red bumps and it looks like you have herpes of the chest and it's unattractive. Do not shave against the grain with a cheap-ass razor, okay? Get the, the third-generation trimmer that is, has skin-safe technology to reduce manscaping accidents, right? Don't give yourself an accidental nipple piercing while you're shaving yourself. You can also adjust the settings to get any length that you like, which I really appreciate. Because sometimes it's like, it's like there's no gray area with you guys. It's like completely bald or it's like a Brillo pad. There is an in-between length that we can embrace here. Crop cleanser keeps your hair, skin, and healthy all in one formula because I know you guys can't handle more than one bottle. You guys get so confused. This is like the peanut butter and jelly in one jar of man soaps. 
For a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value. That's cool. And the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. I like that. Do yourself a favor. Always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Whitney20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Code Whitney20. Do you think that movie theaters, comedy clubs, music venues, do you think those will come back in 2020? It, it all depends. No, 2020, probably not. I don't think we're ready for it yet in general. You're not um, coming to see me perform at the Oxnard Improv next month. Is that what you're saying? I'm coming to see you perform on the lawn <laughs> in the back of the... Like, it's just we're not we're just not there yet. You know, I mean, colleges are going to have that right in mm-hmm. the fall. They're going to go to school and mm-hmm. they're going to put social distance with kids. They're going to wear masks and they're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. We're going to do testing. We're going to get better testing. And now testing is, mm-hmm. you know, we've screwed up testing for six, seven weeks. In our yeah. Country. We had none. Still, the testing today takes a day or two to do. It costs a hundred bucks. If I test you and I tell you the result two days later, it's almost meaningless. Yeah. Two days. You went, you you, you yeah. interacted with a million people. Yeah. So we need on-the-spot yes. testing that's right away, that's cheap and easy, and it's coming. I've seen it. It's coming. And so that'll be a big advance because then we'll know things. Yeah. You can know who you can hug. You can know who can go to a club. That's a whole different story. Right. Listen, Hawaii did it right, right? It just closed its borders. Right. And if you want to go to Hawaii, you have to be sequestered for 14 days and get a test. That makes all the sense in the world. But as testing gets easy, that's not going to be draconian. That's mm. going to be the new normal. And I also think that, um, you know, from a psychological perspective, it's not about like for comedy, entertainment, music, not about when it physically opens, but then also when it's conducive to uh, joy, not worrying. I mean, there used to be a day where we would go into a comedy club or a bar. It'd be pitch black. A waitress would hand you a glass. You would take it and drink out of it yeah. in the dark. I mean, well, I mean, just the idea that right now everything is, you know, so loaded and there's just such a um, sort of recoiling (laughs) to be around anyone. You know, when do you do you think that the ability for people to be comfortably around each other and and going to bars and stuff that will come after the vaccine? The same way that, you know, we were able to go on planes after we sort of took our shoes off. It was just sort of like even if it was a placebo effect to just go like, I feel safer. I took my shoes off before getting on an airplane. No question. If I had told you, you know, 15 years ago that you have to take your shoes off to go on a plane before 9-11, you said I'm crazy. Mm. Now it's commonplace and it's second nature. This will be the same. We're going to have slightly different interactions. We're going to have vaccines and we're going to care about health. Right. I mean, that's going to be the positive of this. We're going to care about our health. As a country, as a globe. And other people's health. Like your health and my health are now intertwined. I mean, we're all one community and we forgot that. We became independent. And, you know, it was about ourselves and we interact with others and it matters. Listen, no offense, but you have tenfold more viruses in you today than you do in human cells. You have more viral DNA in Whitney than human DNA. Viruses are part of us. There are just a couple that are bad actors and we're learning that now. So I'm full of viruses is what you're saying. All of us are bacteria and viruses. I mean, I share microphones with road comics, so I believe that. (laughs) Um, So that's, would you fly right now? Airplanes, every four minutes, they recirculate the air and they put it through a HEPA filter. So if I, I, listen, I'm not flying because I don't have to. If Mm -hmm. I had to fly, I would choose a flight that had less than 60% occupancy. I'd Mm -hmm. look at how many empty seats there were. I would go to the airport when it's not that busy Mm -hmm. and I would feel fine flying. Yes. Um, and if I needed to, I would. 
And so, uh, but we all have to look at everything. Every behavior we do, we can reduce the risk. Mm-hmm. We never get it to zero, mm-hmm. but you have to figure out how risk tolerant you are and then do the appropriate thing. And it works. Well, it's this amazing thing that, that happens in the human brain where you, I find I'm just looking at my own inner monologue and observing that my brain likes to go, I've paid my dues. Mm-hmm. Like I've been inside for three months, so I'm immune. Yeah. Like in just sort of the way this the pendulum swings where you're like, now I'm just going to like, you know, I think that so many people feel this like slingshot effect of like, I'm done being inside. Right. And we don't understand what's going on now. Right. We're not seeing, you know, people around us suffering immediately. And so we say, hey, listen, everything looks OK. Mm. Remember, the dastardly thing about this virus is about 60 percent of people are asymptomatic and they could spread the virus. That's what's a crusher. That's how it's different than almost every other virus we've mm-hmm. seen. When you get the flu, you look sick. You feel sick. That's right. It's obvious to everyone. You're dripping. You're, you know. Yeah. But so now, is it now still? You're dripping. You're dripping. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You're just like, like, yes. you know. Stuff there's is like, coming out. Yeah, of like your stuff, your gross. Is it still 16 days or is it now 24 days? So what, what happens is if I expose it to you, um, you know, you will, uh, you can get symptomatic anywhere from kind of two to three days after exposure up to about 14, 15 days. Okay. You normally are infectious two to three days before you're symptomatic. If you are symptomatic, we call that pre-symptomatic being contagious. Mm-hmm. Um, the period of being in- contagious, if you're asymptomatic, is again normally two to three days, but it could be anywhere in that window. And that's why it's really difficult. So that's why we need better testing. Mm. Listen, if I told you, hey, listen, you're infectious today, stay home for a couple of days, you'd be fine. Yeah, you do it, and it wouldn't be an issue. But the problem is nobody knows now. Right. And they don't mean it, but they were out and they had some dinner with some friends and they get hug grandma the next day. Right. And they can kill grandma. Because that's the other thing, you know, I think that's, you know, fascinating right now. We're not a culture that's been particularly respectful of our elders for the, mm-hmm. you know, longest time. It's been it's been actually kind of heartening, you know, at least, you know, when this first started uh, to watch people go, OK, we're all making this sacrifice because of, you know grandma and older people. Older people, people with medical conditions. Mm-hmm. And then it randomly hits certain people. We don't know why. I have a patient now. He's 40 years old, healthy, runner, and he's on a ventilator. No rhyme or reason. He just is. And we all have that fear that could be us. Mm-hmm. Listen, I remember after 9-11, I was afraid to walk the dog. Right. I was literally afraid to go out of my neighborhood and walk the dog. That was an irrational fear. Right, 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 right. And it's interesting because people keep, you know, when they compare 9-11 and this, it's interesting because I felt like after 9-11 happened, there was this, a lot of the way we healed was getting together and going out to bars till two in the morning and like going, you know, and socializing. And that's something that we can't really do here. And we Zoom. We Zoom. And we drink. Which is, by the way, I now feel like the fact that we're on our computers all day, like, is that going to create a whole other saga? No question about saga? it. No question about and it. you recommend the blue light glasses always, right? I have some <laughs> here somewhere. Uh, they're certainly helpful. You mm-hmm. can filter the blue light out, you know, because mm-hmm. your body thinks it's sunlight. So the problem is you look at your when iPhone you're on your phone or you your go computer, to bed. Yeah. Because, oh, my gosh, it's daytime. I don't want you to go to deep sleep. It was just sunny out. And so you wear those glasses, it can certainly help you, especially at extreme times of going to bed afterwards. My eye, literally this eye twitches since the pandemic started. Is that, I'm not winking at you, just FYI. I'm not flirting. That's just, is that just a side effect of stress? Yeah. I mean, you're stressed. Your adrenaline is up. Your cortisol is up. Um, and you need to relax. Are you exercising? Yes. Good. Swear. Biking. Good. Yes. <laughs> you're getting out of doors. Yes, I'm getting out of doors. On a stationary bike. Quite a bit. No. 
Good. You don't like stationary bikes? No, I just want you to be outside. Right. I want you to see nature. <laughs> and so let me ask you, there are so many um, of my friends that have kids that are like, you know, I can't imagine being five, 10 years old and not being able to play with yeah. friends, like to not be able to like, you know, hug friends, not be able to, you That's know. It's really hard. It, yeah. it just like breaks my heart, the idea of hearing about kids going to school and it's don't get near Timmy. Like Sally and Timmy, you're not allowed near each other. They're not allowed. And think of the elderly, you know, in their home. And think of when somebody gets sick. I mean, the problem with this is if, if you got sick, I couldn't come and visit you. Well, I can't because I'm a doctor. But right, right. <laughs> your spouse couldn't come. Right. If your mother got sick, your father couldn't go and be with her. Yeah. So we have so many patients who are dying alone. And, you know, with every disease now, they're in the hospital and they're alone. Right, right. And that's just heartbreaking. Isn't solitude just bad for our brain? And It's bad for everything, um, right? It's bad for the person who's you know, knows their loved one is suffering and they mm -hmm. can't be there with them. Yeah. It's bad for the person suffering. Yeah. It's really hard. And even if you don't have COVID and you are younger, it, I was reading somewhere that being alone, you produce less serotonin because your brain like subconsciously thinks you've been like exiled from the tribe or don't have protection from a tribe. No, no, no. And it's putting you in danger. Right. So you're basically in this danger mode. Right. Right. When you, we were alone throughout history, we were in danger, right? We were on the trail trying to hunt, or right. to gather. So that's when we were alone. When we were with community, we were safe. So our, our, our stress hormones go down. And we lose that sense of community now, many of us who are living alone. Mm -hmm. You know, the 20-year-olds, they live alone. Right. And that's tough. What happens when you see these, like, you know, parties and, you know, people filing out of, like, Nashville bars? Like, what happens to your brain when you see that? It's, listen, it's really hard for me to see that. Yeah. You know, when I see the protests that had all good intent, yeah. and they could have worn masks, mm -hmm. and it would have been perfect, and yet they didn't, and they could harm people. I mean, that's what really gets me mm -hmm. is this mask. You know, in Japan, when you were sick, you wore a mask. Yeah. You knew out of respect, you don't want to spread it to others. Right. So when they said everyone has to wear a mask, that was fine. Right. They didn't fight back. But this is new to our country. We're not used to that little piece of cloth. And, you know, people view it as a civil rights issue. Mm -hmm. Listen, if I tell you you have to wear clothes in public, you do. I right. tell you you have to wear a mask. You don't. Right. If I tell you you can't smoke somewhere, you go, okay, I can't smoke in the lobby of a building. Yet if I told you you have to wear a mask, you say, it's my right not to. Mm. There was a, um, a comedy club recently that had an act in Nashville. He got on stage, collapsed on stage, collapsed on stage. Um, it was all the internet deal, Hughley. Right. Do you think that, that if everyone was wearing masks, it would be different? Should people be going to comedy oh, yeah. clubs in masks? 100%. Or just not going at all? You know, if you go in masks where it's not too crowded, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. And so we just have to normalize that behavior. Mm -hmm. The problem is, you know, there's an amazing psychologist, Daniel Kahneman, goes, if one person is walking down the street not wearing it, everybody says, well, he doesn't get to. Why do I? Yeah. And the next day it's five people. The next day it's right. Ten. It has to be everybody is the problem. And you know what's interesting? It used to be just the way we're having to reprogram our brains. It used to be if you were somewhere a year ago and you saw someone in a mask, you go, oh, that person's sick. Now you see someone in a mask, you're like, oh, this, that person's good. And someone who's not wearing a mask is all of a sudden a villain. <laughs> like it used to be wearing a mask meant you were like a criminal or you were like sketchy or shady in some way. You know, wearing a bandana used to mean you were like a bandit. You were an outlaw. Now it's like, I love that guy. Yeah. I mean, listen, going from bank robbers to uh, heroes. I mean, and they really are. We have to think about each other. And it's really hard to normalize that. Listen, I saw 30 patients today, right? My patients wear masks. I wear masks. It's mm -hmm. totally safe. My entire building, I have 250 people in my building. They're all wearing masks. Mm -hmm. 
So it's a safe environment. Right. And it's also, I think, that just like the signal you're sending, the same way you walk down the street and you see someone in, you know, a Raiders jersey, you're like, hey, man, like we're all of a sudden connected in a way that, you know, even though we don't know each other, like it's I think when you see someone in a, you know, mask, you're like, okay, I don't have to think about you or worry about you. Like, I know the way you do everything is probably the way you do anything. You're probably also washing your hands. You behave differently. The social cue. When you you hurt your knee, you put an ace bandage on. It doesn't help your knee heal. It reminds you, don't stretch that knee again. Right. And that's the same thing with wearing a mask. We behave differently. And here's my thing about it. I don't want to wear a mask, but I do want to go back to work. Like whatever needs to happen to, you know, make this happen sooner. And my question is also about like when we go back into public spaces, concerts, you know, comedy clubs, movie theaters, will there be a new uh, way that things, ha- will you go in and will there be a hand washing station? Will there be temperature checks? Will there, you know, is that going to start to be a normal? Yeah, I mean, hand washing and temperature check probably don't spread, stop that much spread of the virus. Mm-hmm. The more psychological making people aware of it. Right. Um, but yeah, it's probably going to be a redesign of places. Ventilation, right? The ventilation in the room is Wow, wow. Critical. So I was talking to one of the best universities in the country yesterday. I said, listen, you're planning to go back. Have you assayed all of your rooms, which is better ventilation or not? Like, no. I'm like, why wouldn't you? Mm. Right. If you have good ventilation, it's like being outside. The virus isn't going to be there very long. And right. It's not going to be a major issue. Right. If it's stagnant air, you've probably been in some of those clubs where right. it smells yes. like the, you know, the beer from yesterday. Yes. But that's a major issue. So ventilation, uh, buildings are going to have to redesign. Schools are going to have to redesign yeah. for that. Yeah, it's going to be a new way of doing things where we focus on health, which is good in the long run. Why do people think glo- Why are people wearing gloves? <laughs> it just no looks so ridiculous. Like it's like you know that, that it's just uh, like do um uh do you wipe down your takeout or do you wipe down your shirt? Like are you? It, no, we're not crazy. Like we don't that. have to I mean, worry about that anymore, right? Very little virus has ever been spread through surfaces. Yeah, and so takeout is fine. Mm-hmm. You know, listen, we go and I pop my trunk. They put it in and yeah. I drive it home. But we take it out. We put it on plates and we eat. We support local businesses. It's great. We're not crazy. Um, you know, literally, I have this call with Howard Stern every couple days. Going I'm not as paranoid as Howard. I'm going to say that issues. right now. I love and, you, Howard, you know, but let's extreme. be honest. And I love the fact he's talking about it yes. and open about it. Yes. That brings it, that discourse brings understanding on things, right. which I think is great. Right. But no, you're not going to get it from most services. You're not going to get it from a bag taken from somebody. Right. Oh, yeah. Howard is, is in a hazmat suit just to go... <laughs> one room to another. <laughs> um, so the uh, uh, medications that are currently, those aren't, it's like, that's not out yet, the ones that well, are helping. there are a couple that work, right? So uh, steroids, I mean, dexamethasone. I have right. it. Dexamethasone. How do you pronounce it? Dexamethasone. Very good. Dexamethasone. That's decadron. It's just a steroid. It's what you took for poison ivy. Right. So that blocks inflammation of, you know, most people go on a ventilator. It's not the virus causing a problem. It's your immune response goes into overdrive Mm. and this blocks that. And it improves survival and it improves, you know, dramatically shortens hospitalization. And then there's a drug called remdesivir, which also works. So those are two drugs. They're not home runs. They work. But there are a couple in development. I do have chloroquine downstairs. I mean, hydroxychloroquine. What? Same. Yes. Same diff. <laughs> <laughs> if you want, if you need to clean an aquarium, let me know. I'll, I'll, I'm on it. I'll yes. give it to you. And then, um, and so <laughs> is the six feet thing still? It's not a magic. Okay. Number, okay. You just gotta, you know. Humans need some, even if it's not absolutely true, we need good orderly direction. Yes. We need leaders. Yes. Tell us what to do. We and, need a number. How many feet? Just tell me a number and I'll stick The notion with it. of our country saying every state make your own rules makes no sense. It's implying that every mm. health commissioner in a state mm. is smart and knows yeah. what they're doing, which they don't. Right. We had the CDC for a reason and now we're not listening. 
And it's kind of crazy. In countries where they have great leaders, which, by the way, they seem to have to be all female leaders. Right, the right. Best ones. You said it. He said um, it. I didn't say it. New Zealand. Come New through. New Zealand, Germany. I mean, these are Iceland. amazing leaders yeah. who know what they're doing and are tough and take no shit. And I love that. I also am not speaking, obviously, as a scientist or a doctor right now, but I know that when something changes too many times, I start to lose trust in someone. I'm not saying that's rational, but I feel like it's been, you know, so every day is a new thing. I'm like, well, how come you guys don't know this? But it's a new thing and nobody knows. Listen, we lost trust in the CDC, the yeah. World Health Organization. We lost trust in. They kept saying things that were incorrect. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we've lost trust. And to get that behavior change, we need real leaders and we don't have them now. Health and food are 30% of the U.S. economy. Yet nobody knows who the Surgeon General is. Nobody knows who health leaders are. That's a problem. Yeah, I mean, Fauci's kind of making them celebrities now. I mean, it's sort of like the idea of making medical leaders celebrities, you know, I think is a very Listen, cool... Fauci is great. We have yeah. a real scientist. Yeah. But we need a lot more. And why when... Um, I know there were a couple other TED Talks I got into a wormhole around in like 2014, 2016... Uh, I, but I think 2014, Bill Gates called this. Why didn't we care? Why didn't we listen? Well, listen, Bill Gates said, yes, there's going to be a pandemic. And what is Bill Gates's number one investment? He owns the Four Seasons Hotels. So if oh. he really thought there would be for a pandemic, would he have bought the Four Seasons Hotel after that? Probably not. So that's the problem is a lot of people had a lot of talk. You know, Bill put together a, uh, a, 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 a thing in Davos a couple of years ago where they basically play acted a pandemic. And we were all in a room, a hundred of who's who in health. And everything that's happening today happened in that room. And yet we did nothing about it. So there's a lot of people talking doom and gloom, but very few acting on it. Very few doing things. Listen, Fauci himself canceled our coronavirus vaccine programs. So we had no coronavirus research programs. Right. We had it all for HIV only and HIV vaccine only. Yeah. Nothing else. So there's a lot of talk, but little action. Right. It's very hard for a government to spend money on something that may or may not, may or may not happen. And we were uh, preparing for nuclear war. So if you're a president, you put it on social programs because you get a return right away. You don't put it on health things that may or may not happen. Is ibuprofen still bad? It was never bad. <laughs> I need to stop getting my news from Reddit. Literally, I texted the, <laughs> one of the heads of the World Health Organization when they made that announcement. I go, yeah. what are you doing there is no data that's real well we just heard this i go check it and the next day they actually rescinded it um no it was never real it was never real this is a nightmare and where are we on phone what did you lose by not taking ibuprofen <laughs> why is that a nightmare for you i mean it just did makes... it really hurt your life yes that was my rock bottom no it's just like it's so frustrating when you know i think that you know people like us like we we yeah. We rely on the smart people to tell us what to do. You know, my mom's in a nursing home. Like, I'm doing the best I can to try to understand. And it's just like, it's so hard to do the right thing when you can't even get the right information. And most people right. don't have all day to be researching this. This is this is the most, this is someone who's been researching this all day, every day for three months. And I still don't know the answer. Listen, the reason I give everyone my cell phone to text. That's to right. Start to get real information That's out right. there. Because you have to. Yes, because, and this is, again, like, 310-299-9322. You guys know I do this, too. Um, I text back a lot. You, he might not have the kind of time I have to text no, back. No, we, every single one we text back to. That's incredible. Um, because we have to. Can I mean, we start out. doing an, uh, a video of you answering some of them sometimes, too? Or can sure. you post on social media your responses so that it goes to more people? Yeah, I mean, the problem is social media, you just get attacked. Yeah. Listen, I've had I, I don't know what you're talking about. That's never happened to me. I've had death threats over the last couple of several of them. And it gets very scary. So when you put things out there 
And, you know, it's you know, the beauty of this tech service is yeah. people are nice. That's right. That's They're right. choosing to do it. And I've never had anybody be mean or aggressive on mm. it. On social media, people just get mean and nasty and aggressive. And mm-hmm. it's really inhibited a lot of people from saying things. Right. And becoming the leaders they need to be in this, it scared the hell out of them. Right, right. I mean, we're comics. We're used to getting heckled. And, you know, I also think, you know, you're the health expert, but the kind of person who's going out of their way to heckle or disparage or whatever someone is not is bless their heart like they're in a lot of pain as my therapist would say there's no question about it but when they start to threaten Mm -hmm. your life your family's life it gets scary you also can do auto block of comments i'll help you with that you can like pictures but you can get specific words and it'll just automatically block the comments based on what you're getting the most they caught one of the guys iowans for white america you would think listen uh, I would didn't know they didn't like me, but apparently, <laughs> I'm not big with I wins for white America. Uh oh. Yeah. Just trying to keep everybody healthy was very upsetting to them, is my guess. Yeah, you know, in this tech service, it's 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 not only that, but you can also send out messages based on an age group. Yeah. So you can send messages to just people in their 20s, just people in their 60s, based on you know different things. And just it matters. We all talk differently. We think differently. That's right. Differently. That's right. And to different parts of the country. So if Florida's peaking with COVID, it seems like it sort of is right now. You can just send messages to just Florida. You can yeah. just send messages to New York. You know, and like target the information that you're sending. Um, um, can I ask you a couple more dumb questions? Yes. I'm never going to let you leave. Um, hand sanitizer. I, am I the only person that sort of can't imagine constantly dousing ourselves in alcohol is a good thing? <laughs> listen, it's probably not a good thing, obviously. Yeah. That being said, listen, when I go into a patient's room, mm-hmm. I wash my hands with a hand sanitizer yeah. first. I just don't want to take it. Not with day. soap. You'll just do the, okay. Do the hand sanitizer. I mean, listen, just, soap is just as good. Okay. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, there's very little virus that's... Like, I think I'm drunk off of Purell just going into my bloodstream. (laughs) Drink it. (laughs) Doesn't it absorb into your blood? No. No. It's not absorbed What's the most common question you get about COVID? Um, I get all kinds of crazy ones, but I mean, most common is just certain behavior they're asking me an email about. I want to go visit grandma, can I? My son just came home, what do I do and how do I... So it's all these personal behavior issues that's the key ones we get. Um, and then we get all the crazy ones. And yeah. We get some wild ones. And I also think that like having this conversation, everyone wants to talk about COVID, 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 but it's also, we can't have this conversation without talking about your immune system health and your health anyway. So I was uh, reading somewhere that if you're not getting a certain amount of sleep or healthy sleep, a lot of these conversations are null and void anyway if you're not taking care of There's your no immune I mean, system. The, the doctors in Italy had some of the worst outcomes because they weren't sleeping. And so, uh, you know, and, that, uh, and so you had these young doctors who, you know, ended up dying, many of them, because of that. So, yeah, you need sleep. You need to take care of yourself. So what that means is uh, meals the same time every day. The tendency is snacking. This is, by the way, like a revolutionary thing. The idea of you saying, yeah, sleeping and eating. It's, it's not, not me saying it's the data. Sorry, it's data. <laughs> Sorry, it's hard numbers and science and facts. Yes. It's, it's the true facts. Um, and no, but I've never thought about that before because I used to be the person that was like, oh, I'll just sleep in this weekend and catch up on sleep. And uh, I'm going to eat really healthy at different times every day. You say eat the same time every day and sleep. Not me saying. The, sorry, the, the numbers. Thing. So the data show is <laughs> yeah. that you know, three meals a day with nothing in between. So if you eat food whenever you want, same amount of calories, you're going to gain more weight. You're going to lose about 16, 18% of cognitive function, and you're going to lose athletic performance just by eating at random times. 
you know, your body likes to know what to expect. Mm. So when it doesn't know when you're going to eat, it basically keeps your stress hormones up expecting you to eat all the time. Right. So one snack in between lunch and dinner will throw you off for two, three days on a metabolism basis and on a stress basis. 600 parents, I said, have your kids go to bed whenever they want. Here's a stopwatch. Wake them up nine hours later. The other 600 parents, I said, have your kids go to bed the same time every night. Wake up in nine hours. So same amount of sleep in both arms. Almost an 18% improvement in cognitive function in kids who went to bed the same time and got up the same time. That's good to great right there. Yeah. Which true in a kids is much more true in you and I. And it's not about how much you're sleeping, it's your quality of sleep. Yes. If you sleep six hours a night, you're going to have a higher percentage of REM sleep. You sleep 10 hours, you'll have a lower percentage. Yeah. So as long as it's regular, your body will get used to it. That's what's key. How do you know if you're having REM sleep? Is it because you have dreams or nightmares? That can be one way if you remember them. Or yeah. you could just, you know, I have a pad that goes under my mattress that measures my sleep. I'm uh, one of those geeks. You are a geek. And <laughs> I have... A pad, like it's that that um, it goes under my mattress, and it tells me, you know, and I look at my sleep. I realize if I have two glasses of wine, I don't sleep as deeply, you know, because wine makes you fall asleep, and then there's a rebound surge in adrenaline. That's you why you up. drink your wine at noon. That's perfect. <laughs> yes, I am one of those geeks. Yeah, you want to hear the geekiest thing? Yes. Yesterday for Father's, Day, I want to know everything in your bed. My son bought me on eBay for ten dollars a picture of a lung from the Spanish flu of an autopsy of a lung as a gift for Father's Day. Are we not the geekiest family? Oh gross. It's an amazing (laughs) image of what the lung was like in Spanish I mean, it's remarkable, but yes, we does are. It look, does it look a little bit like what COVID does to lungs? Or exactly. just it's pneumonia? It's exactly the same. Is that instead of there being open holes where there's air, it's filled with fluid. So what this virus does is it makes your lungs leaky. Fluid fills in and you can't get oxygen in, which is why you have to go on a right. ventilator because they put pressure to get oxygen in. And hopefully it can be long enough till that doesn't fill with fluid and you can't get it in at all. And that's why people die. But the hope is, is that we can block it from getting that leakiness in the lung. Oh, gosh. So you wait. I'm going to get back now. I just want to talk about sleep. You lie on a, a device that it's measures, under my mattress. measures your movements at night. It actually measures my heart rate and my movements. Wow. It tells me how much REM sleep and how much sleep I get. And I get a little get on my app. I get to see. It's a company called Withings. Mm-hmm. You know, for 80 bucks, you could buy this little thing. It goes under your mattress. And I start to see, you know, when I'm stressed, I sleep less. And I get to see behaviors and it changes me. I'm one of those geeks that, you know, I like to know my data. And you don't take anything to sleep? No. Glycine, does that work at all? No. No? No. But if it's a placebo, it would. What, how? <laughs> I mean, the placebo effect is an effect, but right? Your body's not used to taking one amino acid. And these things, everything you take has a ramification. Exercise, great for sleep. Yes. But in the morning, do it in the morning? Well, if you exercise before you eat, you can actually lose more weight. That's okay. the secret. Okay. So some people do that. So anytime exercise, great for sleep. Obviously, getting away from blue light three, four hours before you go to bed is critical. Mm -hmm. Unless you're watching this podcast, in which case it's fine. Yes. (laughs) Um, Well, you can actually set your iPhone or your iPad to block out those colors. Yes, I do it in uh, grayscale mode and then, yes, turn off the blue light. But there's actually really cute blue light glasses now. I think we're going to start making them for the podcast. The blue light glasses. How are you going to get them to people, though? What do you mean? Sell them. Oh, sell them. Yeah. Order them. I thought yeah. you're making them for. Oh, yeah. No, oh. <laughs> not just like my arts and crafts. No, I'm going to sell them out like as merch. Um, can I ask you uh, just in terms of like some other health things that I think are yes. important? 
I'm just going to ask it. And you're going to probably scoff cell phones causing cancer, not causing cancer. Can I put my laptop on my uterus? So it's an amazing story. So what happened was the World Health Organization, this remarkable group that's given us all the great COVID-19, issued a statement that cell phone could cause cancer. Mm. And the reason they did is they did a survey of people with brain cancer. And they said, how much cell phone did you use? And they asked the spouse. So the person with brain cancer used three times as much as the spouse, the answer. So Therefore, they said there must be an association, so they issued this. So I did a very clever thing is I went to the people who actually, most of the people with brain cancer had died. I went to their spouse and said, can I see your cell phone bill? We chose 200 of them. And we looked, and it turned out it was exactly the same usage. So human perception is to blame something, right? Whoa. And so I went before Congress, and we actually testified, and I said, listen— um, if cell phone caused brain cancer, there must be a big increase from 1970 till today because nobody had a cell phone then. Have you, anybody looked at the data? They all looked around the room. <laughs> nobody had the data. And I showed them the data. It's a totally flat line. It hasn't changed at all. So it's very hard to prove a negative. Yeah. There is no data that cell phone caused brain cancer. You would think right-handers, you hold your phone to the right side of your head, right. be more brain cancer on the right hand. There's not. So there's no data that it does cause cancer, but it's impossible to prove a negative. So no, cell phones, there's no data at all that they do cause brain cancer. Or airplanes. Um, being on an airplane does expose you to some radiation. radiation yeah. Um, and that's real. And so, but does it kill is, COVID? <laughs> flight attendants and pilots don't have more cancer than the average right, population. Right. So from that, we can assume that there's not a dramatic increase in risk. What about microwaves? Microwave don't affect it at all. No, microwaves just excite water. You can get in a microwave. I've had a microwave for like three years. Listen, you can have microwave now and ibuprofen. Look what I've done <laughs> oh to your my life. God. I've made your life full. (laughs) All right, Benson. There's a lot going on. The most important thing right now is what? Our health, isn't it? Not our mental health. That ship has sailed. But our physical health, which is why I recommend Thrive. High-quality, organic, and non-GMO groceries delivered to your door. Because who's ever going to go to a store again? That's canceled. Stores are canceled. Public spaces are canceled. Delivered to your door for a lot less than you're paying now. And it's also going to help out some families in need. That's what I'm doing since I discovered Thrive Market. Uh, As a proud Thrive Market member, I get the products I love. And paid membership provides a free one for someone in need also. So your karma is on point. What I like is that this place, anything you order from here is going to be fine. You don't have to, like, read the labels. You don't have to, like, exhaust yourself trying to, like, figure out what's good and bad in the grocery store. They've done that already. They've done the legwork. You answer a few questions and you're good to go. I know. What is my diet, Benton? Your Thrive Diet is healthy. Um, It is lots of balanced meals. We don't do dairy because mommy's skin gets broken out. So we have a no dairy. We have no gluten. Um, we have yeah. uh, keto. Remember the keto pizza you ordered from here and you made it for me and put vegan yes, cheese? Yes, I do. As a member, I'm saving 25 to 50% off traditional retail prices and their carbon neutral shipping. That's so cool. It's free on orders over $49. Um, they're also going to match donations to their COVID-19 relief fund dollar for dollar. That's incredible. Thrive Market is working 24-7 to make sure members are getting their groceries delivered as fast as possible so we don't all starve to death in quarantine. You can learn more about their commitments to customers and membership matching on their website.
website, try Thrive Market, and become a member risk-free. Go to thrivemartin.com slash goodforyou. Join today, and you'll get up to $20 in shopping credit towards your first order. I got distracted because you know how Bill Burr on his podcast, he goes, the first week is free. And I really tried to not do it, and I couldn't help myself. Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, market.com slash good for you to start your risk-free membership and get up to $20 first. Benton, you're the one with the speech impediment. How come, did I catch it from you? Is it contagious? Is it like COVID? It is now. This is like a- It's worse. And you cough in my face and I caught your speech impediment. (laughs) Thrivemarket.com slash good for you. Thank you guys for making my life a little simple during this nightmare dumpster fire of a time. At least I don't have to worry about ingredients in my food. Hey Benton, have you always wanted to learn a hey. new <laughs> Have you always wanted to learn a new language? Yeah, I have personally. What do you want to learn? I would like to learn Italian and I would like to learn Mandarin. Why? The two so places with the smarter. highest with the two places with the highest COVID rate? What is this? You want to go visit? I yeah, mean, I bet flights are cheap. I would love to learn um, Mandarin. I would love to learn Italian as well. Um, But I definitely want to learn Spanish. Oh, yeah, of course. So are you going to get me Babbel? Sure. If you want Babbel, we'll get it. Vamos. Babbel. Is that, am I basically fluent, right? Babbel is designed to quickly get you speaking your new language within weeks with daily 10 to 15 minute sessions. See, this is it. The problem is I get so bored and I get so distracted. I can't, I can't sit after 15 minutes. I tune out anyway. So this is perfect because Babbel teaches real life conversations. You're not learning words and phrases out of context, right? You're learning through interactive dialogues, which they say that's the fastest way to learn. I learned French for like two months because I dated a French guy when I was in college. And when I look back, I have some unpacking to do around it. But the main thing is that I picked up a lot of French just by talking to him. So Babbel works because it's built around real life, how people actually communicate and what they actually care about. Like, you know, when you, um, uh, I remember one time I w- took French class and I learned all these phrases and I was like, zut alors, on va, discothèque. And then you actually go to France and they're like, no one talks like that. <laughs> You're like, oh, well, that's, that's what they teach you. They're like, discothèque. Like, what you, that's not even the word we use. So a lot of times you're like learning like what the way people talked in the 70s. So this is perfect because with their teaching method, it's been proven to be effective across multiple studies. You can choose from 14 different languages. This is a great, if you want to fake your death, which I'm seriously thinking about, this is a great product for you. You can learn Spanish, French, Italian, and German. If you want to become a spy, this is your product, dude. I'm telling you. The speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent. Babbel is available as an app or online. Perfect. So your progress will be synced across all devices. This is pretty genius. Right now, Babbel is offering our listeners three months free with a purchase of three-month subscription with the promo code GOODFORYOU. Go to Babbel.com. Use promo code good for you on your three-month subscription. Learn a language. Grow your brain. Have something else to add to your dating profile. Speak Spanish. See, you, but you're able to put that in your dating profile. You're going to vibrate better people. I'm telling you, this helps you in so many ways. Go to Babbel.com. Use the promo code good for you. Oh, my God. You can put it on your resume. This is like, this is a no-brainer. Free three, shoot. Your three-month subscription. The word free and... See, when I start reading the ads, that's when things fall off the wagon. 
Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. Promo code, good for you. Let me see if I can say that in uh, French. Bon, bon, vu. See, I know a little French. What about uh, uh, peptides, injectable peptides? What, why are you injecting peptides? <laughs> what are they supposed to do? Because uh, I'm a woman in Hollywood who's 37. I don't want to play mom roles. So all a peptide is, is it's a basically a, a, a segment of amino acids. It's a part of a protein. Yeah. So injecting that in you transiently will bring in fluid so you can look fuller. And that's what it does. It can take away wrinkles and make you look fuller. But it doesn't help you at all. Oh, so it's just a transit wow. way to bring in fluid. There are safer and better ways to do it. I wouldn't inject peptides now. What's the safer way to do it? Just drink water. Well, it's not drink water. <laughs> right it's things like coconut water or organic sport drink. Right. Because water distributes throughout your whole body. You right. look puffy. But this stays inside your blood vessels. Right. Because um, it has uh, electrolytes in it. And so much healthier to do that. Gosh, uh, I've been doing everything wrong. And then is should we be worried about drinking out of plastic water bottles that have been in the sun in our car? Certainly plastic water bottles aren't great. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have to, I probably wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Drinking it from it once in a while is not going to harm you dramatically, mm-hmm. but they're not great for the environment, certainly. Mm-hmm. How do you feel things are going to change in terms of the way this virus spread, the eating of you know bats and exotic animals? Do you think it's going to change the way we look at what we eat? So historically, almost all viral outbreaks throughout history came from livestock. Mm-hmm. So they came from animals that we kept. Right. When, you know, when the white man came to America, we killed most of the Indians by giving them viruses. Right. They didn't give us any because they didn't have pets. Wow. They didn't have horses. They didn't have cows. They didn't have livestock. We did. Now, because we've encroached upon the environment, right. we're getting uh, viruses for the first time from wild animals. This is new wild animals. And so, yes, our relationship with nature has to change. Yeah. And we have to be very aware of it. And we have to actually think forward how to protect ourselves. And hopefully we'll do that now. Mm. So what it's going to mean is that science is going to be able to think what could happen, Mm -hmm. not what is happening. Mm. And we have the technology. We have the ability to really keep ourselves healthy as a planet. Mm. We just have to be able to use it. And we need the resources to do it. And I think that will happen now. And then do uh, is it still the case that um, in more polluted areas, COVID effects were worse because of smog and pollution. It's hard to tell. I mean, because yeah. many other things in more polluted areas, there was more dense population. There were classically uh, poor populations. They had less health care. There are a lot of reasons. It was very hard to get reductionist there. Right. So certainly pollution isn't great, right? But you can live in New York City and people can live a long, normal, healthy life. And living in New York City, which is a pretty polluted place compared to living in the middle of the country. Um, so it's hard to get that reductionist in this cause this, mm. but certainly there are those associations, but a lot of things were going on in those areas. People walk less, people exercise, mm-hmm. less, all of those things. Uh, are we ever going to be able to vape again? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Vaping was scary, right? Yeah. I mean, the problem is, is that you couldn't get uh, your nicotine into your lungs right. without it being on something. So a very clever pharmacist in China said, hey, listen, if I use polyethylene glycol or some, you know, uh, uh, you know, basically derivative of antifreeze, I could put tobacco there and then it would carry nicotine, I mean, nicotine on it, could carry nicotine or THC into the lung. Yeah. The problem is those things stayed there and they started to coat our lungs. And so it means over time, you don't get oxygen diffusion. You can never be an athlete. You can't really exercise. And it can cause significant problems as we saw in that generation. Then you saw lots of nicotine and THC going to the brain at once, and that wasn't good either and was causing problems. So I mean, literally, wasn't smart. we thought vaping was like healthier than smoking. 
Certainly, smoking ain't good either. Yeah. Um, but vaping, yes, this was a quick fix that we never studied and we just did and we put it inside our body and that wasn't smart. This is wild. Um, I'm obsessed with your book and I'm obsessed that, uh, that you bring up dogs and why dogs are healthy for humans. <laughs> and I always think dogs are medicine, um, uh, not only because the neurochemicals that you emit, right, serotonin, oxygen, but also the routine that it, dogs help you establish. It's the coolest, right? It's that you don't stay out too late because you got to walk your dog. Yeah. You eat your dog, you know, your dog will get pissed at you if you're <laughs> half hour late for lunch. Yeah, that's true. And so you do regular mealtimes and it's that lo unconditional love. My dog doesn't care what happened to me. Yes. And now we have two. They're so excited to see us. It is the great. We got so lucky in that beginning of January, before all of this, mm -hmm. we got a puppy. Mm, Not best. knowing pandemic was And this puppy thinks, I have the coolest family in the world. They're mm. always home. They're always around. You have no idea what the real world is like, this puppy. And unfortunately, this puppy doesn't get to meet other dogs or other people because it's always home. Mm. Isn't uh, it also true, Science, that if you are in a bad mood and you like just force yourself to smile, you're already going to be in a better mood? It, I mean, just try it. You smile, your body feels differently. Yes. No, I do smile. it like whenever you <laughs> When I'm exercising and I'm struggling, I will smile and then I will, I feel myself get stronger. It, I mean, it does. I mean, it's pretty amazing. You know, you, you have about 85 muscles in the face. And so the greatest actors in the world can probably control 25 of them and do a fake smile, right? Yeah. You and I, well, you're an actor, but if I tried to do a fake smile, I could probably control 10 of them. <laughs> and so the human brain is amazing. I can know when a smile is real or not. Yes, that is so the fascinating. The brain, the cues we see are just amazing in that regard. Well, I um, am going to show you my robot uh, after we talk. And I have this robot that looks exactly like me. And I got super fascinated by pathogen avoidance about the way when you see like a scarecrow or a doll or a clown or something, you uh, the way humans recoil just in something that looks human but doesn't move like a human the way we're able to sort of the uncanny valley of it all the fact that we are just so wired to be completely disgusted by dolls or mannequins and creeped out by it isn't that our way of not procreating with something that's dead oh yeah no i mean there's there's all these amazing cues that are within us i saw your robot on netflix yeah <laughs> Um, so sorry about she's that. She's very cute. Sorry about the nightmares. Thank you. Um, she has a broader range of emotions in me at this point. I might have to send her on the road if this COVID continues to do my stand-up for me. Very safe. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm so fascinated by that. And then can I just, uh, everyone uh, that listens to this podcast knows how obsessed I am with epigenetic imprinting. Is this, this is real, true science. What is true science? Just the fact that-, that I've we never can, heard of the word. That we can, epigenetics- <laughs> We can, what does it mean? <laughs> that we, how dare you throw me under the bus? That we can inherit traumas and fears from generations before us, irrational fears. And so, you know, what we know about epigenetics is, is that you have DNA, three billion letters, mm -hmm. and then there are sugar groups on top of it that are in response to things that happen to you. Mm -hmm. So, if your parents smoked, right, in utero, that can affect how some of your DNA was passed. And so that's what we call epigenetics. It's passed from generation to generation. Right. And our behavior matters. And we never knew why certain behaviors can be passed. And this is the reason. We can't understand it yet. Right. So I can't look at your DNA and say what you will pass to a little boy or a little girl yet. Right. But alcoholism. Real, um, we just don't know what it means yet or how to manage it or control it. And in terms of like nature versus nurture, like I have a lot of addiction in my family and I'm always fascinated. You know, something we say in the 12-step program is that um, genetics loads the gun, environment pulls the trigger. Yeah, but does I that just sound good or is that no, true? I think more than that, <laughs> is that, you know, you are the first experiment. You were an experiment of your parents. Right. Right. So, you know, in general, genetics is a portion. So there was an amazing study. Google bought the genetic database of Ancestry.com. 
Yeah. And they started to say, what percent of longevity is genetic? And the number is about 4%. So 96% is your behavior. But the amazing part is I can know how long someone will live by looking how long their spouse's mother lives. Because you classically marry people that are similar to you. Oh, wow. And someone's behavior is very similar to their parents. So that tells me more than looking at your DNA. Wow. And so it's an amazing, to me, that's a powerful statement because it's empowering. You're in charge of your own destiny. Your DNA is a portion of your destiny, but it's a relatively small portion mm. because your genetics for inheriting, you know, a, a compulsive behavior or addictive behavior, and you inherit from both parents and they got together and that's a novel mix. So I don't know what it will be for you, but you're in charge of you. Mm. And it really is powerful. It's not predestined, right? It's not deterministic. I'm going to take a real, real hard pivot here. Am I going to, um, uh, uh, my breast, uh, my breast implant's gonna uh, kill me. There's no data that there's any negative effect to it. Really? Yeah. Um, what year were they? I done? think mine got recalled. I think I might have, I think I might have to get new ones. Uh, they're like a like a child's toy at this, or like arugula. They just mine went bad. I did mine like three years ago. Oh, then they're they're well, fine. They're fine. I mean, I'm out of the woods. Yeah. I'm good on this. No, I mean, you're still going to have a breast exam. You're still going to have, you know, mm-hmm. a, a mammogram because mm-hmm. um, that's critically important. Yeah. The implants themselves aren't going to cause a problem. And then uh, my father, um, when he passed, there was a little bit of a conversation about antibiotic resistance. He passed before I was really able to understand um, what happened is because they kept saying we can't give him any more antibiotics because they'll sort of stop working. And um, there was conversation about it being in meat. Is that real? Well, antibiotic resistance is the bacteria. It's not you. Okay. So you can't inherit that. Right. So the bacteria over time, remember, where do we get antibiotics from? We got them from bacteria. Right. The bacteria use it to kill other bacteria. Right, 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 right. So penicillin comes from mold. So we basically got it. It's also gross (laughs) when you think about it. (laughs) It is one of the most elegant and amazing things we've ever done in science, and you're calling it gross? It's amazing that like mold basically just like solved our problems as humans. You know, the, the turn of the century when yeah. you had a cut on your leg, one of the great experiments done was there were five people on each arm. Yeah. Half they left it open to the air and half they took a piece of bread, they dipped it in water and wow. they wrapped it around the leg. And that healed the wound twice as fast. And literally it changed everything. It's crazy. Because right, the bread made mold, the mold made penicillin and it spawned germ theory. And all of a sudden, we had a new way. Remember, you and I have crazy inflammatory systems yeah. to fight off infectious disease. The good is, is we could temper that down with a baby aspirin or things like Lipitor, mm-hmm. and we can live much longer. Yeah. Because we're not, we now have vaccines, we have antibiotics, we have antivirals. If we temper that down, we live longer because uh-huh. that inflammation leads to heart disease, cancer, and Alzheimer's. Is eating antibiotics so much in meat going to cause a problem? <laughs> You know, it's certainly not good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, you need to know what you eat. Right. So there's plenty of meat that is antibiotic-free, and I would focus in that direction. Yeah. I do think it's an issue that we use them a lot, especially in, you know, a- a- animals. Um, and we can get antibiotic resistance and all of that. That's not a good thing. Mm. But certainly getting organic milk, you know, getting, you know, grass-fed beef mm-hmm. is a very healthy way to eat. I love what you say. Um, I It was in your book, but I also was watching a talk of you saying, shop the perimeter of a grocery yeah. store. And know your grocer. I mean, yeah. Yes, came or her. What came in fresh today? Yeah. You know, what's in season? 
you know, fruits and vegetables, they start to grade as soon as they're picked. They want to put the nutrients back in the soil. Right, right. So get what was picked recently or flash frozen. Don't get something shipped in from another country and has been sitting on a boat for a week and right. was picked early. Right. And then um, I remember, uh, this is before I, you know, was able to text you. Um, I remember I was really struggling with what to eat and um, a doctor said to me, the neurochemicals and the stress you're admitting about it is so much worse than just eating the thing. Because <laughs> when I go on the road, I'm like in an airport and I, it's all fast food. And she's like, the stress that you're emitting about what to eat is worse for you than just eating the bad thing that one time. But again, it's not that, you know, there's no food that's horrible and there's no food that's perfect. Mm -hmm. Everything falls in the middle. And I think that's what's good. I mean, is that we can all, you know, every once in a while, we all do everything. I love my French fries. I love my pizza. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's having moderation. Right. That's the key. Mediterranean diet is by far and away the healthiest diet. Wow. Right? Protein, if added every meal, is with some carbs. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's it. But are we not allowed to cook with olive oil? Sure you can cook with really? it. Really? Just not too high a temperature. Okay. And we can't burn our toast. I saw you talking about this oh, somewhere. Oh, of course you can burn your <laughs> I toast. I love burnt toast. It's our it's favorite fine food. to burn your toast. That was so misguided. <laughs> right. The recommendations on that. It was crazy. And no tuna? Well, not too much tuna, yeah. right? I mean, everybody loves to go to Nobu. It's mm -hmm. awesome. Right. Just not too much of it. If I want to, if I'm going to have a, my eggs are frozen in Redondo Beach. If I want to have a baby VF, I shouldn't eat oh, a lot of tuna. Was I was like, why are you eating frozen eggs? <laughs> no, my actual eggs. Why did you put them in Redondo Beach? Uh, well, that's where they freeze them. I don't know. That's where they are. That's where they're stored. <laughs> I just put them in a cooler, Who like told a, you you a, go to a storage to unit in Redondo Beach. That's where my doctor's, I guess, like oh. storage unit is. Could right. I, you know, Good. I'm gonna start keeping them in your office if that's okay. We 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 don't store eggs at the present time, but maybe one day. Last couple things. Uh, yes. The gym. Did you see the gyms where people were working out in like plastic yeah. tarps? <laughs> Are we an idiocracy? Are we, we are crazy? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, it's it, ridiculous. It's like, the, you know, you see the gym and, the, you know, there's the escalator to go to the gym. People take the escalator <laughs> they take to go the to the escalator. gym. Like, I remember one time there was a gym on Sunset called Crunch and you had to walk up a flight of stairs. And I was like, never mind, I'm going to go to Equinox because I don't want to climb a flight of stairs to work out. Just even the notion we have to go somewhere to work out. To work out, out is crazy. crazy. So that's not it. So when is the next time you're going to a movie? Listen, I love seeing him at home. Mm -hmm. um, and it's fun. Okay, I'll just I come mean, to your I've house then. You know, I'm not, I'm one of those people that I never love movie theater. Yeah. I love seeing him at home. It's great. I love seeing him with friends. It's yeah. great. Um, I just saw The King of Staten Island. It was great. So good. It was fun. Yeah. Um, and it's fun. You know, unfortunately, not that many movies are coming out now. That's the yeah. big negative. We yeah. watch Fauda. Mm -hmm. It's good. When's that, when are you going to a comedy show next? Uh, whenever your next one is, I will be there. I <laughs> well, promise. Well, it depends you. on when you tell me to go. So uh, this is uh, very contingent on you. Uh, you know, yes. Because uh, I'm in the first quarter next year, there will be comedy shows back. Um, there may be sooner. Um, no question. We if you booked, do it right. Yeah, we book shows in Salt Lake City, Alabama, Tempe, like at half capacity, you know, of but like. As long as they're doing it right, it's fine. And people have to wear masks. Yes. Wow. It's not that big a deal. Mm -hmm. um, it's not that big a deal. There's this new thing called Netflix where you can. <laughs> My specials and now streaming. But, um, but then big venues, you don't think till next year. Concerts, Coachella. It's not going to be for a while. I mean, until we really have a vaccine implemented, it doesn't make sense. It's just too many people together. And then they lose inhibitions. People drink alcohol, they lose inhibitions, and they do the wrong thing. And then it's not the young people I'm worried. I worry about when they go home. Right, right. It's and people parents, that live with their, their parents and grandparents, grandparents and neighbor, visit. Their friend who's getting chemotherapy, they can kill people. We just don't want that.
And then when we get the vaccine for this, this is like the I, when people say the new normal, that drives me nuts. But like this is something we're going to be dealing with just as humans for the rest of time. Yeah, but we're going to be better at dealing with right. it. This crisis will bring in a new. I keep thinking, did you ever see the um, Portlandia? <laughs> yes. They wanted yes. to go to the concert and they sent a drone. You know, they <laughs> bought their own drone yes. and they spent all this money and they're all watching it. And then as soon as the concert starts, somebody just takes a baseball bat and hits their drone and they lost the concert. <laughs> Do you um, hate watching medical shows? Does it drive you nuts? Sometimes. Um, <laughs> Sometimes they're not most of them that well done. Right, right, right. Very frustrating. Right. That must drive you insane. And then what do you make of all these like movies like Contagion? And I mean, I think it's great. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, I read the Michael Crichton books and they Mm -hmm. changed my life. Yeah. I'm excited about science. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I made a movie about neurology. It was called The Female Brain. And I had a couple like neurologists randomly look at Luanne Brizendine. Huh? Yes. I, I, love the, I made the movie of that book. Oh, you did? Yes. She's fantastic. She's fantastic. Oh, yeah. I went up and I, I sat with her in Sausalito. And up, I guess yeah. I'm allowed to say where she lives, right? And uh, and uh, What's her address? Uh, I know exactly. 9042. And we um, like spent the day together and she said something that really changed my life uh, where I was like, okay, just what can you tell me to change my life about you know neurology, men's brains, women's brains? And she just goes, your boyfriend is not your girlfriend. Like just, yeah. you know, just keep the conversation shorter. Don't, you know, talk to them about your friend's wedding for two hours. Don't expect them to get dopamine from gossip the way she's you do. Great. She's she wrote the male brain too. Yes, yes, like, yeah, yeah. So I made that movie and, um, and I had to get really vague because it's, I also realized like, it's so weird to think that, you know, I guess this is why they call medicine a practice. And not like the championship. Like it's your. We're still learning stuff. At the championship. Yeah. This is. You mean not perfect? Yes. This is, is that what you're practice. Yeah. Like you know. And I remember I dated a an anesthesiologist once who said medicine. We're doing the best we can with the information we have. Get a load of this. Last week, just last week, the first paper was ever published to show how anesthesia works. So we've been using anesthesia for 200 years since ether, and we didn't know how it worked. They finally figured it out last They take you to the brink of death and back. But we had no idea how it worked in the brain. So there's so much in what we do, which is serendipity, it's observation, it's real data. We just don't know why or how. Um, And it's amazing to me that, you know, that piece was the most elegant paper in the world, but we had no idea how it worked. And so much we don't know. So I remember when we were working on the graphics for that movie, like the part of the brain that's, you know, the amygdala that's responsible for, you know, emitting, you know, adrenaline. She's like, just make it a big circle because we're not sure exactly in there. This this organ that, you know, controls us. We have no idea really how it works at all. We don't know how the brain works. You know how like we look back, one of my favorite things is um, when you know you're getting older because you go to the doctor and there's new technology that you're like, you know, when remember when they used to like knock on your knee with a little mini hammer? I still do, by the way. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I haven't had anyone do that to me recently. I need to get a new doctor, I think. But I mean, when you go in and, you know, there's like new stuff, like I went and got a mammogram and it, it there was this crazy machine and stuff like that. And it's what in 20 years are we going to look back and be like, God, that was so archaic. That was like the leeches. So number one is of 2020 in the next couple of years, the notion that you go to your doctor's office and they collect data, mm. right? They they draw your blood, they do whatever and they call you if you do that. That makes no sense. Yeah. So we're all going to have a device at home where we prick our finger and we're mailed a CD. We put the CD in, it runs all our tests. And the one have- Elizabeth Holmes made? There will be Thanks. one that actually works. <laughs> um, the, the, uh, the Barbie oven? <laughs> and it's going to be pretty soon. And so you'll actually go to your doctor and have a real conversation, which will be really powerful. Wow. Imaging, a mammogram, I mean, that's from Marie Curie shooting x-rays through tissue, right? Energy through tissue. That itself can cause cancer and problems. And it's very poor resolution. We're going to be much better over time about imaging. You know, the Navy can look a mile away and know what kind of fish is there. 
Yet we can't look inside a human breast without squishing it and passing x-rays through it. It's never um, super comforting when you're getting an x-ray or something and the person doing it sprints out of the room like 100 miles an hour right. and like takes cover. So w- those technologies will be revolutionized. Part of it is, you know, the transition to 5G. So 5G, you know, it's this amazing bandwidth for data, which, by the way, is safer than others because it, it's very, uh, it can't penetrate very well humans. So oh, it's even wow. safer than others. But what it does is allows you to have technologies without computing and all of this stuff. It just collects the data, and all of the computing is what we call at the edge. So it can then collect data and then process it far away where it's really expensive. So the cost will come down dramatically. We'll be able to take, you know, Take data all over the place. Go to your doctor, and at 2 o'clock, he or she checking your blood pressure makes no sense. You want to go in with weeks of data. Right, right, right. Your right. data, your movement data. With more data, error goes away. That's going to happen. That's the new transition. You know, Steve Jobs, we would sit with him. He was so pissed off that they would, you know, he had a, a transplant, I mean, of his liver. Right. They would have to prick his finger every hour to check his sugar. And he thought that was barbaric. So he bought up all the intellectual property to start to measure things through the skin. So you're going to be able to measure insulin, glucose, cortisol, all those things through the skin. And you're going to notice, listen, when I eat Wonder Bread, look what happens to my sugar. I'm not going to eat Wonder Bread. And let me ask you, because I'm, I'm working on the TV show version of Super Sad True Love Story, which is a dystopian satire of the future. But all that's not going to be like public. Like that's going to be the next conversation is the privacy of. Is that just going to be uploaded to a database and sold to our insurance companies? When you bought this house, your bank... Although you may be so wealthy, it's, you didn't require I'm so a mortgage. Rich. I'm just incredibly rich. They asked you to give you every bit of your financial data, and you did without blinking. Right. Everything you had, you gave it to your bank. If I say to you, listen, I just want to be able to use your healthcare data in an anonymized, protected way to help others, you go, no freaking way, that's my healthcare data. We view healthcare data different than everything else. Fascinating. And I'm not sure why Fascinating. We put it on this pedestal. But if we all gave our data, again, in a privacy protective way, to one collected database, we can actually solve problems. So if I if I can use that data to help others, I can solve many of the healthcare problems we have. There's such a psychological thing around data that's so fascinating. Like when people are like, they don't want to do 23andMe. They're like, I don't want anyone to have my data. I'm like, they're finding serial killers. Like in a choice between having serial killers off the street and giving up their data, they'd rather serial killers be roaming the streets. Yes. I mean, we, we view healthcare very differently and it's mm-hmm. a problem. And also just in general, like all of the, um, you know, privacy, you have to take, you have to give your phone number in order to do it. I'm like, I remember when there used to be a book full of everyone's numbers and like home addresses and they would just throw it on your porch. You know, this paranoia around data, I feel like is, is, is that something that's like. Because people have taken advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we don't trust companies anymore. There's no moral standards. There are no ethical standards anymore. And what we need to do is we need to do that. Mm. Um, And it's difficult, you know. Their technology is changing so quickly in our country. The problem is, is that our rules aren't changing as quickly. You know, when Angelina Jolie announced that she had the mutant gene for breast cancer, yeah. the New York Times Brocka, asked me to write, right. they asked me to write the companion piece. And I said, when does it do? They go an hour. So I wrote about that in the 90s, there was a team that was given $26 million and they identified the gene. And then they gave it to a company. The company went bankrupt. And another company bought the assets and sold the test for $6,000. So what I wrote about was how dare a company charge a woman a $6,000 ransom to look at her own DNA. It's predatory practice and it's monopolistic. It's criminal. So, you know, company got really mad, threatened lawsuits. And what do you know? Four months later, the Supreme Court announced you can't patent a gene anymore in our country. So now that test is 60 bucks. So one of the Supreme Court justices actually called me up and goes, aren't you proud of us? We read your piece and we actually made it so you can't patent a gene. I go, yes, but it took you 12 years to do it. 
And in that 12 years, 150,000 women lost their life because they couldn't afford to actually pay the ransom to look at their own DNA. And can I also just add, because uh, I've been Googling you hard, that the way they found the BRCA gene was from Mormon church? That's pretty wild. That is fascinating. All the Mormons wanted to be buried in the church and they couldn't fit. So they took a piece of them, their hair and their history, and it was in the church. So we had DNA going back 100 years, and we can actually go and in these large families be able to identify the gene. There were just tons of hair samples there just for you to... To go back and do that. And, you know, there wasn't... They didn't care about the privacy, per se. It was all privacy protected. Nobody knew anybody's names. But now all those databases have gone away. Nobody wants you to do DNA beta You can figure out, you know, my cousin may be a serial killer, as you alluded to, and yeah. they don't want to do it. But, yeah, it was amazing, and it saved a lot of people's lives and will continue to do so. <sighs> So we're not we're not doing comedy this year, huh? No yuck yucks. Isn't comedy the best medicine though? Amazing. Laughter is the best. I know you're the doctor here, but Some entertainment is amazing. <laughs> I mean, and you know, one of the uh, listen, I moved to LA and everyone made fun of me, right? On the East Coast. How dare you? It's not a serious city. I went I was in uh, Amsterdam and I was uh, 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 at a dinner and I the guy next to me they put me next to this guy with one of those twisty mustaches <laughs> I didn't know what to talk to him about and I said listen I had taken my son here and I went to Anne Frank house and how meaningful it was mm. he looked at me and goes I knew Anne I go, what do you mean? He goes, I live four houses down from her I hid during the war and survived she didn't he told me about growing up with Anne Frank Whoa. and he took me to her house and at night and we're in her room and he goes what do you notice about this room? I go, I don't know. They're just cut off some magazine. He goes, it's Hollywood magazines. He goes, the world lives through the entertainment that's created in your city. Your city gives more joy to the world than any other place. You don't realize that most of the world has no entertainment. And this city, Los Angeles, creates it for the world. And it was what, probably the most beautiful advertisement for the city I had ever seen. That's really touching. And, you know, I... You know, in writers' rooms and stuff, we're always like, oh, we're not curing cancer. And like, oh, we're not rocket scientists and stuff. Both my parents had strokes in the same year. And I was in the ICU for like a year straight, basically. And it was like, you know, obviously heartbreaking. I don't have to tell you. And I'm walking through and every single room is Seinfeld and everyone loves Raymond and Sitka. And they're just sitting there, you know, like we're we're anesthesiologists in a way, you know, like we um, that's what we do. But um, it's also in our nature to self-deprecate and to hate ourselves. That's why we get funny in the first place. But um, and listen, we try to tell jokes our business. They don't go over <laughs> oh, well. No, I've heard them. <laughs> I've got three, and they're my good jokes. I try to go to them. I have a captive audience. My patients have to laugh. <laughs> I had a doctor once. <laughs> I would go in. And I'd be like, um, I was having something in my chest that you probably are going to tell me isn't even real. Called costochondritis. Yeah, it's real. Is it real? Yeah. I had like plural inflammation in, in cartilage. Yes. Uh, and uh, and I went in and um, so I had a rheumatologist and I had to go in, you know, like a couple times a year and I go in and um, I'd be like, so how's it? He's like, just kidding. <laughs> it was like his favorite bit. I was like, this is wild bedside manner. All right. There are two boys outside an operating room. There's a 10 and an 11 year old. Okay. So the 10 year old says, 11, what are you here for? He goes, I'm here with my tonsils out. He goes, it's not bad. I had it last year. You get to stay home from school. You get ice cream. He goes, what are you here for? He goes, I'm here to have a circumcision. He goes, it's horrible. I had it when I was first born, and I couldn't walk for a year. <laughs> <laughs> That's like my favorite type of joke. It's like straight up doctor dad jokes. <laughs> like it's the only kind of comedy that can't get canceled at this point. <laughs> you might be the biggest comedian uh, in comedy right now. Honestly, if you wanted to be, <laughs> there's none left. You know, I was privileged to take care of Merv Griffin. 
him. Uh, I loved uh, him. I mean, literally loved him. You know, toward the end of his life, he was in the hospital. And literally, you know, I was there doing my rounds and seeing him. And he's like, everyone out of the room, I got to talk to Agus. He goes, I got to tell something very important. And so I watch everybody leaves the room. And I go, I'm ready for the meaning of life. And I'm looking at him. I lean forward. <laughs> David, he goes, there's a 16-year-old boy. Um, he went to a pharmacy to buy condoms for the first time. And I go, yeah. And he goes, he waited for those nobody in the store. Finally, everybody left. And he goes and he puts them on the counter. And the pharmacist looked at him and goes, it's 249 plus tax. And the kid goes, you have to use tax? <laughs> and he goes, everybody else can come back in. And that, that was Merv's meaning of life to me. That's amazing. Uh, la uh, last, last thing is taking up old fillings give you mercury poisoning? <laughs> there, there certainly was some mercury in old fillings. Okay. Um, and so, you know, taking them out means drilling and yeah. you can get a transient increase in mercury. It's not the same kind of mercury that causes uh, a pain. Where does mercury come from, by the way? In, the planet Mercury. That's a true fact. Oh, I didn't know that. Had you not heard that yet? No. Did you not get that data? God, oh my I'll, God. I'll send it to you later. I'll send it to you. So it's an impurity in coal. Yes. When you burn yeah. coal, it goes into the atmosphere. Right. And that, it's elemental mercury, the same thing in your fillings. That doesn't really harm Because that's what goes into the water that absorbs into the big fish. And then f uh, bacteria converted to methylmercury. And the first 100 feet of water, sunlight degrades bacteria. So it's only deep fish and it's big fish. And so if sunlight can degrade methylmercury, why can't we figure out ways of doing it? And so, you know, there was a fish market in Seattle that used to have a slight uh, swab and tell you how much mercury is in the fish. All of a sudden, the fish market, you know, everybody hated it because there were these fish that weren't eaten and they stopped doing it. Mm. But in America, you know, about 12 to 15 percent of kids that are born are from a mother that has a mercury level can affect brain development of the child. And it's predominantly wealthy women because that's who they go to fish. sushi. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of wild. We have to be really aware of it. Salmon is better. It's great. Right. You know, uh, literally 100 servings of salmon is equivalent to one serving of swordfish. Whoa. So on a mercury basis. 310-299-9322. And I will text back jokes. I mean, <laughs> I've only got one more left. Give so it, I've give got it. A... What's the other one? Can we have the other one? <laughs> can we have it or are you going to save it? I'm going to save that one. I seriously do think, why can't you shoot? I mean, you can do it here. You can shoot answers to some of these questions and send it out in video or put it, you know, on a website or something because right. no offense to all you texting, I'm glad, but to not be able to share, like share it with everyone. You could send a video back to your whole database based on that. No, I'm sure I'm getting used to these technologies and doing it. And it's, you know, it's, I mean, they're, they're so powerful. Yeah. It's amazing. And listen, I get feedback. I know when I go on TV and talk on the news and something, I can go on Twitter and know what people understand, what they didn't, what they like, what they didn't. It's a feedback loop. Mm -hmm. It makes me better. Yeah. But I also think that the way that you behave one-on-one -on -one with someone is different than the way you're going to behave publicly. Like a lot of people might not want to make a public right. comment and get involved. Or like, you know, for me, the reason I want to do these podcasts is to go like, I'm going to ask all the dumb questions that people are too embarrassed to like not know the answer to. You know, because I think most of the time I don't ask questions because I don't want people to think I don't know. Right. And then you never know anything. And then you just get to stay an idiot. Right. Although a lot of people are doing that. And it's <laughs> a difficult. Uh, um, yeah. No, listen, we need to we need to have more conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and we need to have things like this, which is discourse about ideas. But you also we don't have access to doctors like we don't have access like this to, you know, people like you. You know, early on in my career, you know, there was a remarkable mentor I have, um, a CAD, who came to me and said, part of your role is education. 
And I was at Sloan Kettering. I was in New York. I was a you know serious scientist. And I go, I don't give it. He goes, yes, you do. And he scheduled 200 talks in a year for me. Wow. Because I wasn't a good public speaker. And he made me learn how to speak. You're such a good public or speaker. He, every day at 5 o'clock, I'd have to show up somewhere and give a talk. He forced me to. This we might make you start man. a podcast. A really amazing guy. Andy Grove. He was the CEO of Intel. Holocaust survivor. Out of the microchip. And, you know, he didn't ask. He just did it. And it really changed me and realized that we have to educate. Yeah, because I think especially like such smart people, like it's like, you know, to now you need to be able to disseminate <laughs> the information like you have it all. But we, you know, dumb people like me need to be able to understand it and then repeat it to someone else. Right. And then you need to go and go to Redondo Beach and tell these <laughs> stories to your eggs. So they <laughs> I know do. I, I'm such a deadbeat mom. I haven't visited them in so long. Should I have a kid right now? I get that question a lot. And, you know, yes, it is healthy to. Oh, listen, mm -hmm. I don't know your personal situation. Right, 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 right. It, there's no reason when COVID-19 you can't get pregnant and you can't have a child. Mm -hmm. um, We're not, like, stressing out the medical system. It's not going to be. Not at all. And, I mean, what's amazing is, right, kids are asymptomatic. And there's very little kid-to-kid -kid spread and kid-to-adult spread. Right. And we don't know why, but that data are real. But, yes, it is totally fine to have a child in today's world. If your kid is eight, what comfort level are you with them going back to school in the fall? What do you want it to look like? Um, I, I just want the school to be aware. Mm. And so, you know, we'll see what the data are and it's going to vary by location. So in certain locations, we're not going to have to do much. Mm. Other locations where there's a higher incidence or a higher positivity rate, we're going to do a little bit more and maybe have to wear masks and other things. Right. It really is going to depend on where in the country you are and what is the data. I'd rather it be data driven. Right, right, right. Than blanket. Rather than just blanket. Because blanket makes no sense. Mm hmm so think critic. We have to think critically, is what you're saying. We can't make giant generalizations. I think our leaders <laughs> have to think critically, and I think that's sometimes hard. Um, it's a lot easier to all do the same thing. Three one zero two nine 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 three two two. I Taylor is in the room with me. She knows that like a month ago, I was like, I can't read news anymore. CNN saying something different than the Atlantic. That's different than Fox. Like I just was like getting so overwhelmed. And with what's going on in the news now, lots of things are eclipsing COVID. Um, so it's not like all the front page everywhere now. I feel like I have to seek it out. I feel like it's changing every day. This is truly the only way I'm getting my news are just texts from him that I imagine you're texting me. Per that it's just me. That's just my um, fantasy, but it goes to all of you guys, 310-299-9322. It also makes you healthier, saves you the stress of going to a news site and then seeing all the other horrific things that are going on in the world, which is just a giant like adrenaline and cortisol spike, um, putting you in fight or flight mode. So this to me is the sanest, healthiest way to get news about being sane and healthy. So I'm so grateful that you're doing this. Uh, not enough doctors are, um, and, uh, and it's so hard to get news responsibly now and to even be able to trust any of the news that we get. You know, it's a weird time in the world. Um, it's a really weird time in the world. Because it's like even the most well-meaning people on the planet, you can go find news to um, justify the misinformation you already have. You can go find something. I, people will go, I don't believe you have to do this. Then they'll just find an article that proves them right. Right. <laughs> I mean, listen, everything looks equal on the internet. It's all black and white. And so there's a lot of noise out there. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to get through that noise. The fact that uh, television news now opens like an action movie, like a Terminator, the music, the flag, like it's like, to me, it's more about entertainment driven and, and uh, you know, media is in trouble right now. They are losing a lot of money. They have vested interest in getting our eyeballs and getting us to click on stuff. So I think to me, this is um, a way that I feel safe of getting news. I don't feel like I'm being played or used or lied to. <laughs> so that they can get uh, ad revenue. So thank you so much for doing this. I'm going to make you come back um, many, many times. We would love to. It's my privilege. And uh, we can shoot a bunch of stuff in here. Do you guys have any more questions, Taylor? Do you? 
What did I miss? They're all selfish. <laughs> can I? Can you test me right now? My only question, and again, I think you already asked it, was like, so if people are, because it is happening, people are going to comedy clubs right now, they are going to mm-hmm. start going to movie theaters, all that stuff. If everybody in the room is in a mask, mm-hmm. except for the speaker, mm-hmm. and everybody's distanced and nobody's eating, is that... Zero risk. That's fine. Yeah. Whoa! But if everybody's yeah. like eating, drinking, laughing, yeah. no I mean, mask... So, well, yeah, then there's risk. Yeah. Um, and so th- do that one out of doors, yeah. right? I mean, so you have to choose. Do I want to figure out and go to a place that's out of doors where yeah. I behave a certain way? Or yeah. Do I want to be indoors where I have to behave a certain way? Because I think this is important uh, mostly because, and this is the last thing I will say, is that when we go so extreme, the pendulum swings hard and I feel like we go too hard in the other direction. If we're just like going out in iterations that make sense, we're not going to just like snap and be like, screw it, I'm going to sandals and I'm going to do like... <laughs> we don't explain things. I mean, mm-hmm. this second inning is really hard because we don't know the rules. And, you know, our government doesn't know the rules. Our leaders don't know the rules. Mm. How are we supposed to know yeah. what's real? Um, makes it really difficult. And so we have, to, we have to break through that. Listen, in two months, we're going to look back and everyone will be wearing a mask. In two months? It's guaranteed. What's going to happen is because of the cases continuing now and the deaths will go up, we're going to say, oh my gosh, we realize we have to wear a mask and we'll be doing that, right? But between now and then, there's going to be a lot of stress. And this is just how things work. Why do people say it's going to get worse in the fall? The the notion is two things. One is, is that when the flu happens and the common colds happen, that we're going to, everybody's going to think it's COVID, et cetera. Right. And then in the fall, we're classically indoors. And so when people are in a place where there's less ventilation, they're more together. Mm -hmm. And then when they're outside and it's cold, right, it constricts blood vessels, you get leakiness, as you said. Yeah, right. And that's (laughs) how you can transmit virus. So that's how, you know, in the summer, you don't leak. Right. Um, You're out of doors and there's much less virus. Wow. Well, a lot of my friends met you in some either work situations and just said, can you meet my doctor? And just forced you to be their doctor. So I feel like that's in the cards for us. Um, okay, thank you. You're the greatest. Thank you. I always end these very, it. very awkwardly. There's no elegance to the end of this. But thank you so much. This is going to help so many people. And um, hopefully we'll be able to do comedy soon without killing our audience and their families. <laughs> I love you guys. Oh, and um, get short guide to a long life. That's a game changer. Game changer. Dr. David Agus. Thank you.